May the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be always acceptable in thy sight. O Lord, my strength and my redeemer. Well, when I first read our gospel passage today, I remembered what Desmond Tutu said about it. He said, Jesus did not say, I draw some people to myself. He said, I draw all people to myself. And as our bishop reminded us only yesterday, the ancient text goes even farther in its radical inclusivity. It says, I will draw all things to myself. Well, what strikes me about this passage, as in so many of Jesus' words, is that radical inclusivity, the radical abundance, and the radical love that is illuminated even with the coming darkness. The introduction of the Greeks at the very beginning clues us into the idea of universality, of abundance, of nationalities, of ethnicity. Then Jesus speaks of the grain of wheat that dies but then bears much fruit. In fact, has to die to bear this abundance of fruit. Then Jesus speaks of those who love their lives losing them, a frightening comment on the face of it. But it could be that those of us who hang on to our lives exactly as we want to have them, and I'm preaching to myself here, may not end up with the abundance that we want. And the crowd in the story never quite seems to get what Jesus is talking about. Like us, they sometimes hear God speaking. They sometimes hear angels. But all they perceive is thunder, a warning of bad weather. But then again, certainly there can be abundance even in a storm. I recently heard it said that life is not about waiting till the storm passes. It's about learning to dance in the rain. The things that I hear over and over again from Jesus, the things that stand out for me, either because he says them so often or because they are so revolutionary and impossible, are all expressions of divine abundance. Abundance of love, abundance of inclusivity, abundance of courage. Love your enemy. Let go of your possessions. And do not be afraid. Do not be afraid, said mostly by angels or Jesus, is said 365 times in scripture. I've said this before, but it just hits me as such an important point because it makes it seem like every single day of our life we're supposed to once again look at our fears and let them go, try to attempt to have faith every day. Well, in this time of terrifying economic insecurity, I've had the twin difficult experiences of losing my job, and I want to say I will miss you all very much, and also a trauma only a mother would understand. My daughter got a great scholarship on the East Coast and may be leaving me. Then, in worrying about these things, a tragedy occurred in my life to a friend of mine that made my troubles seem like nothing. In fact, made it seem like I had been living in paradise without even knowing it made it seem like I had an embarrassment of riches. My friend lost her child. It also made me realize with a shock how fragile 
how precious, how unpredictable life really is, how much we need to love it while it's here. I absorbed some of the shock myself and was initially plunged utterly into fear. I learned the meaning of pray without ceasing, and I saw at a very close vantage point Job's whirlwind version of God. Well, I spent a lot of time with my friend, and to my astonishment, I began to see grace and healing even in what I considered to be the very worst of circumstances. Her community utterly embraced her, flooded her with love. She received this kind of love not only from her peers, but from the friends of her child. I saw the beginning of healing, the beginning of resurrection. And yet still, I am often full of fear. My friend's loss struck me to the heart, removed my denial that something like that could happen to someone I knew, let alone myself. Well, in our scripture today, Jesus says, now my soul is troubled. He apparently is fearful because he foresees his own death. He is perhaps tempted to say what he did say in the Gospel of Luke, take this cup from my lips. But Jesus is steadfast, and heaven answers him that he made the right decision, that his Father's name will be glorified. The fearful moment seems to pass. I don't know about you, but to me it is somehow comforting that we have an incarnated God that experienced fear. He experiences in the Gospels fear, pain, grief, rage. Jesus cries tears of blood in the Garden of Gethsemane. He weeps at the death of his friend Lazarus. And he explodes into a violent rage at the money changers in the temple. And yet he somehow returns to faith, to love, to an awareness of God's abundance, even at the threat of death and even through death itself. In the Old and the New Testament, there is a constant reminder that God's abundance, God's grace is limitless, and that it is there for all people. Therefore, there really is nothing to be afraid of. There really is enough for everyone in spite of our fears. I have heard this described as God's more than enoughness. But we do tend to live out of a consciousness of scarcity, and scarcity is what comes from fear. And fear really is deadly for ourselves and for those surrounding us. Fear leads to nothing much more than more fear. It is said to be the opposite of faith, the opposite of love. Well, we are now in Lent, moving toward Holy Week. And we are asked by Christ to mimic the ridiculous abundance of the anointing woman. To have such overflowing, abundant love for each other that we wash each other's feet, the job of a slave that was done by Jesus the Master. Jesus models this abundance he sees in God his Father, described in the scripture he knew so well. In Genesis, God makes his covenant when he places the rainbow in the sky, not with humans only, but with all of creation. God blesses Abraham and Sarah so they will bless all nations. And when the Pharaoh finally lets the Hebrew slaves go, they start on their way across the wilderness with a mixed multitude and very many animals, flocks and herds. So it follows that the covenant at Sinai was not given only to the Jews, but to all people, 
to the whole mixed multitude of humanity, to all of us. God extravagantly declared, I will be your God and you will be my people. With the birth of Jesus, it was the foreigners, the magi, the non-Jewish magi, who found the Christ child. So it seems the abundance of revelation was not only given to the chosen people. And they brought valuable gifts, like the nard ointment the woman poured so recklessly on Jesus. The spices brought by the women at the tomb to lavish on what they thought was their dead master. In the revelation of John, he speaks of a great multitude, no one would count of every nation, tribe, people, and language, standing before the Lamb. And finally, in the Gospel of John, Jesus says, I will draw all people to myself. This is Jesus of the undefended heart, the mind of Christ that Paul urges us to attempt. Jesus always accepted, always loved all people. The undefended heart knows no fear, knows no limitation, and excludes no one. Jesus' impossible but very persistent teaching is that we love abundantly, fearlessly, even our enemies. That we have nothing to be afraid of because abundant life is all around us in the abundant love of God. As the Buddhist Christian poet Thich Nhat Hanh said, the winds of grace are always blowing. You have only to raise your sail. But it may not look like the abundant life we always thought we should have. It may sound like thunder and look like crucifixion. It may scare the daylights out of us. But Jesus said, I will always be with you. This is the meaning of Emmanuel, God with us. Jesus would have known very well the beautiful passage from Jeremiah that we heard this morning. It's one of my very, very favorite passages in all of the Bible. And I always think, how can we call the Old, Co the Old Testament the Old Testament when it contains the New Covenant? The days are surely coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and the house of Judah. We have the rainbow covenant in Genesis revealed to be a covenant for all people. And the covenant at Sinai also revealed to be all, for all of us. Well, surely this covenant is for all of us as well. Surely the law will be written on all of our hearts. Surely the struggle can end, straining to know the law, straining to know God, straining to know all the answers. And surely this promise holds for all people that we will know God without fear and know that in even all circumstances, even in the very worst of circumstances, even in our pain and in our fear, that we are deeply and abundantly loved by God and deeply abundantly forgiven and that God is with us. And when we truly know this, perhaps then we can feel the beating of the undefended heart in our own breasts, the heart that has opened up and let go of fear, the heart upon which God can and will write her holy law. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon podcast from the Episcopal Church of Our Savior, Mill Valley, California. 
we are a growing, welcoming community for those seeking to deepen their relationship with God and to journey in faith with God's people through the breaking of bread and in service to others in Christ's name. You can reach us by phone at 415-388-1907 or visit us online at OurSaviorMV.org That's O-U-R-S-A-V-I-O-U-R-M-V for Mill Valley dot org. We wish you God's peace and we hope to be able to greet you in person very soon.